Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Celebrating today, this Veterans Day. So thank you to each and every one of you who has served in the uniformed services. I'm in the uniformed services of this country. It just, thank you. In a word, two words, thank you. So Veterans Day dates back over 100 years. An agreement signed to end World War I. I'm often... Um, I'm often asked, like, are there things that we should say? Are there things that we should not say? I think that's a persistent question. Like, what's the appropriate thing to say or not say on Veterans Day? Um, And so just say thank you. There are 19 million veterans, which means there are 19 million different answers to the question, what's appropriate to say and not say today? Should you approach me? Should you not approach me? Just say thank you. Um, Thank you for your service. And let it go at that if there's not an interest in continuing a conversation. You know, after you say thank you, retain your eye contact for a moment and then listen. Listen. If they want to talk, if they want to tell a story, if they want to share something, attend to that. However it comes. I mean, it's Veterans Day, so let it be. Veterans Day. Um, So there's lots of places today that uh, are offering thank you, I don't know, all kinds of thank you things. Lots of places offering thank you meals. Freebies, thank you. Thank you, Paul Perot, for pitching that word in. Uh, Veterans Day freebies. My, uh, My local list here includes an IHOP, a Denny's, Wendy's, Applebee's, but there's lots of places. So if you want to do something tangible, if you're thinking, I want to do something, I want to do something, well, hey, identify a veteran, locate a veteran, and offer to take them to one of these places where freebies are being given to veterans today. Like, right? Sometimes it's it's a matter of not knowing what's available or not having the ability to take advantage of what's available. And so that might be something tangible you could do today. Thanks to veterans.com. Let me just tell you, if you if you just need a good cry, like a literally good cry, go visit thanks to veterans.com and watch the uh, there's 11 videos. Uh, this this one company gave away like literally gave away uh, 11 homes to 11 deserving veterans. I mean, these are totally paid for, paid off houses. And so these these stories are really incredible. These are veterans who have continued to serve their communities even after their you know, official service to the country. And you can check it out at thanks to veterans dot com. There's one more house uh, to give away. And so maybe you could uh, share that opportunity with a veteran in your community in need of a home 
as well. So there you go. That's my Veterans Day salute. Next up, we got Ben Johnson. He and I are going to talk a little bit about climate change. Yeah. And um, there's been a person who's actually been diagnosed with climate change. What does that even mean? What does that mean? How do you feel about climate change? What's your view on the topic of climate change? I mean, certainly the climate is always changing. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life, to live in freedom. All right, joining us now, Ben Johnson. He's a media reporter for Daily Wire. You can find what he's writing at dailywire.com. Morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. Did I cough on air before I hit my cough button? Did you hear it? I didn't hear <sighs> Maybe. it. So. Oh, good. That's fantastic. Good. Um, all right. So good morning, my friend. Let's talk climate change a little bit. Um, so an individual has been diagnosed with climate change. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, it's a little bit uh, unusual, needless to say, in the headline, but uh, this it was an elderly gentleman in a town called Nelson in British Columbia, and he went to the doctor. He had asthma. So he went in and he said, give it to me straight, doc. What have I got? And Dr. Kyle Merritt told him, you are suffering from climate change. I kid you not. That's He, he diagnosed him with climate change, uh, which is is. Unusual. I'm pretty sure it's not in uh, any of the DSM-5 or anything of this sort. It's not in any of uh, the official medical manuals. Uh, this, this is. It, it's like uh, if if you went in and said, you know, I'm I'm suffering. Uh, I've, I've got some breathing issues, and they diagnosed you with the Industrial Revolution. Uh, it, it's it's not exactly a one-to-one measure. I have a feeling there was a more proximate cause for his breathing and airway distress than uh, climate change, and yet, it, really, what you're seeing here is a doctor essentially politicizing everyday diseases uh, and saying that there is some grander political effort that uh, if you were to engage in it, uh, this old man might not be wheezing and hacking and coughing. Uh, and and not only does that do a disservice to the political movement and uh, certainly a disservice to uh, the medical profession, which is not supposed to be politicized. It's supposed to deal with exact proximate physical causes of disease. Uh, but it, it really does a disservice uh, to the people of British Columbia, uh, like uh, this this old man who's going in looking for a cause that he can he can do something about uh, and hopefully remedy his breathing situation, and they give him a geopolitical strategy uh, to change the entire world. So, for those of you listening who don't know what the DSM five is, it's basically the Bible for mental health professionals. Um, <clears throat> the DSM five does not recognize climate change as a real mental nor physical health disorder. Um, This reminded me, Ben, of uh, the affluenza diagnosis back in, I don't know, like 20, early 2010s. Um, That was also not uh, a recognized mental health nor nor health disorder in the DSM-5. And yet it stood up in court um, as a you know, as a reason, a causation, a something to point at uh, in terms of why a person did what they did. 
And so I just think that as you're listening today and you're thinking about the world in which we live, um, there are political agendas applied to all kinds of things in life. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that the climate hasn't changed. I would right. say that the climate is always changing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we've been affecting that since the very beginning because we are, after all, as human beings, responsible for the fall. So we do live a long way from Eden. Sin is real. Um, and and things are degrading, no question about it. Um, how much responsibility can be laid at the um, <clears throat> at the threshold of, let's say, the oil and gas industry? I think is the you know is the ongoing conversation of our day. Want to add anything to that, Ben? No, I, I think you you summarized it very well. It's, it's just the idea of politicizing medicine. You know, someone goes in for a diagnosis and they come back with a political platform. That shouldn't happen. Ooh, on the on the politicized medicine front, <clears throat> there's a pharmacy that um, that gave kids the wrong vaccine when they came in for the COVID nineteen vaccine. So I don't know what's oh, going my. on there. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think there's enough out there on it yet for us to talk substantively about that. But um, you want to scare a parent, scare a parent, give their kid something other than what you told them you were going to inject into their body. Yeah. All right. Um, To the conversation about parents and education in America, um, you want to give us a, a like a survey of the landscape. And then when we come back from the break, we'll dig down a little more deeply into the details. Oh, certainly. I mean, when you're looking at education, it it is the most pitched uh, uh, issue across the country. You saw that in Virginia just last Tuesday. But it's uh, it's true nationally that parents are speaking up. They're going to school board meetings. They're making their voices heard because for the first time they've gotten a glimpse inside their children's classroom with a pandemic uh, where students were at home and students were with their parents. Parents watched on Zoom calls and they were alarmed at what they saw. Uh, First of all, the fact that they were out of school so long, there was tremendous learning loss. Uh, One study said basically that it's a day-for-day thing. Every day that uh, children were not in in in-person education, they lost a day of education, uh, which gives you an idea of the efficacy, perhaps, of, of some remote schooling programs. But it also shows that they were concerned about what was being taught. Uh, they were they heard very politicized uh, uh, efforts, sometimes extreme polarizing ideolog- ideological uh, curricula being taught. And then when they went back in school, they found out that there were books in their curriculum uh, or books in their library, which could pass as pedophile pornography. And so they went to school boards and suddenly they were arrested for speaking up. Uh, parents who were talking about sexual assaults of their own children were muzzled and carted out of uh, public school and then used as a justification to bring in the FBI. You know, the National School Boards Association wrote to the feds and asked them to uh, crack down on parents. They said that these could be the equivalent of domestic terrorism and that they should use the Patriot Act to investigate parents. So that's where things have stood. And finally, uh, parents are speaking out. Uh, You saw it in one election, and one election cannot be where this ends, and it won't be. Uh, Students uh, are, are... letting their parents know parents are fully awake and engaged now and they are not going away uh this is this is every parent's duty to oversee the way that their children are raised to raise them in the fear and admonition of the lord and if they see that schools are teaching values that are opposed to that they're going to make their voices heard or they're going to leave the public school system all right since ben johnson used the word awake I will remind you or tell you in case you missed it. I talked to Noel Maring yesterday on the show. The book is Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology 
it is an excellent book. It was an excellent conversation. And because Ben used one of the words in the title, <clears throat> I thought it a good opportunity to to say something about it. You can uh, you can go and catch that conversation at MyFaithRadio.com. Ben Johnson and I will be right back. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. All right, um, math. Here's a little math for this morning. Um, the year is 1972. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the... Well, it looks like we uh, lost Carmen there, uh, uh, Ben. Should, should I jump in? <laughs> Just jump in. I, okay. I think you know where she's sure. going with it. I, so. I have a general idea. I, I wrote an article for uh, Daily Wire just recently about a 1972 video that tells you everything about the left. And, and it really does go into everything that the left has been up to. It's rare that you get this kind of a blueprint laid out for you by someone who was a major figure uh, in the 60s, 70s countercultural left saying exactly where they're going to go. And then you look back 50 years later and see, my goodness, they hit every single bullet point. Uh, the, the TV show and the man's name are almost totally forgotten. It was a show called Firing Line hosted by William F. Buckley Jr. And uh, his his guest uh, was a man named Dotson Raider. No one remembers Dotson Raider. He went on to be an entertainment writer for Parade Magazine. At the time, he was a major leader in the 60s countercultural left. And they asked him, uh, this was one week before the 1972 blowout election. You know, uh, this uh, Richard Nixon had the first, I believe, 49 state victory against George McGovern. It looked like the Democratic Party had been totally vanquished. No one knew anything uh, in any depth about Watergate at that point. It didn't look like it was going to be a big issue. And Buckley was kind of feeling his oats. Uh, He was an advisor to Nixon. He said, tell me one thing you have succeeded at on the left. And Dotson Rader said, we've we've had a great deal of achievement. The country's moved left uh, on issues like abortion, pornography, greater freedom of the arts. And he said, part of our belief is the first thing that you change, the first thing that occurs before political change is cultural change. These are all quotes from Dotson Rader. He says, you have to change the conscience of the people. I personally believe you have to change people's sexual attitudes, people's attitudes toward the church, people's attitudes toward education, towards business. And he goes on to say drugs are, quote, a device. Sexual promiscuity, sexual deviancy, deviancy is a device. Anything by which a person... Uh, goes outside of the morality of the majority of the people at that time, the Judeo-Christian morality of the Ten Commandments that had undergirded the United States from its foundation, he said, ultimately will undermine the foundation of the United States and prepares them to change the form of government. So he was a socialist revolutionary, and he said, America's government rests upon these cultural presuppositions, these cultural and moral and religious beliefs that form the bedrock of the American government. And so he goes on to say that uh, this is this is what the left is all about. We want to change all of these things. And as you go into uh, the article, I simply go through statistical data from 1970s and statistical data from the United States today on all of the issues that he mentions, on pornography, on homosexuality, on uh, sexual promiscuity, on uh, approval of teen sexuality, which uh, was was has only changed within the last five years to the point where almost uh, 50 percent of the of Americans now believe that it's moral for teenagers to engage in sexual activity. So when you look at that kind of a massive, broad cultural change, 
what you see is that the revolutionary left went forward with their agenda, and their agenda was not one election after another, run George McGovern every year, every four years, you know, the, the next candidates and, and the successful ones for the next 20 years, more or less posed as conservatives. Uh, Jimmy Carter uh, would not have been who he was if he didn't say he was a Baptist Sunday school teacher. Uh, Bill Clinton, even on certain cultural issues, you might remember before the 96 election, he put out a, a wonderful flyer talking about the rights of students to pray in schools. Uh, it was something of a, a political pose, but uh, nonetheless, that was where he came from. But underneath, they are changing the culture. And you see this, is, it ties in with our discussion about education, where this radical curriculum is being taught in the public schools, because without that moral foundation, as our founding fathers understood, uh, it's impossible to maintain the American Republic. So George Washington and John Adams and others whom I quote in the piece at Daily Wire, they all talk about the importance of religion and morality to the foundation of the United States. Everyone's familiar with the John Adams quotation. George Washington said something very similar in his farewell address that no one could truly call himself a patriot if he undermines religion and morality. And you see, that was exactly the agenda that was followed. And you see the uh, the very big difference that we've had in our politics over the last 50 years. It sounds like Carmen's back. Yeah, I was um, I was lamenting that when I was four, I was not paying attention and watching this episode um, of Firing Line. Um, and then I discovered that I wasn't I, no one. No one could hear me. So um, I what you guys need to be looking at. So on DailyWire.com, the article is this 1972 video explains how the left won the culture. I have tweeted it out um, on my Twitter feed. I will post it on other social media as well. Um, Ben, this is so good. I have so many people like ask in dismay, including, you know, my parents who were in their 80s. Like, how did we get here? Like, how did this happen? I mean, it it didn't just we didn't just collapse in upon ourselves without somebody pressing us forward in a particular direction. Um, And this unmasks that um, or, you know, it, it helps us see it. And here's, I guess, maybe what's so sad. It was all laid out as a plan before it happened. It's a little bit like um, the plan that was laid out in After the Ball. Um, you know, if we had read After the Ball before we started down this path, um, we might have at least seen what was coming. We would have seen the storm on the horizon and we might have better prepared ourselves um, to confront it. Um, I'll observe this, Ben. Evangelicals, Christians, conservatives, um, all of these sort of varieties of individuals with whom I might align myself. Um, we are more like the National Guard, that we run to the, we run to the fight, um, and then we go back to doing what we're doing. And others, this is their fight. This is their agenda. This is the only thing they're doing, and they're doing it all the time, persistently, pressing forward a particular agenda. You're exactly right. And in, oftentimes they, they are paid as as activists to continually show up at these kinds of events to give the appearance of a grassroots appeal for these efforts. And you know, the rest of us have jobs. We have families. We value that far more highly than we do political engagement. But all of it has been laid out. And it was this long march through the institutions that uh, the great uh, communist theorist Antonio Gramsci talked about in the 1920s and going forward. 
that uh, they would exercise cultural change within the psyche of, of the public. And education was a big part of that, first higher education, and then it seeped down, as we're seeing, into uh, K-12 education, which is the nebulous uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, curricula that's being taught. Sometimes people don't have a name for it, but they recognize it when they see it, that this embeds it within the curriculum of young children something that goes against our values. And that's why it's so important for children uh, to be protected, for parents to speak up, and either to change the curriculum or to change the school. All right, um, Ben, thanks as always. Did you buy any of the $1.1 billion of Tesla stock that Elon Musk sold yesterday? Would that I had the money. <laughs> All right, just checking. Just checking. He sold nearly a million shares for just over a billion dollars. Yeah, that's some math for today as well. All right, uh, Ben Johnson, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, he is a media reporter at Daily Wire. You can read what he's writing at dailywire.com. Let me highly recommend the piece. The 1972 video explains how the left won the culture. We'll be right back. All right. Christmas is coming. The goose is getting fat. I don't know. There's probably more lyrics to that song, but that's what came to mind as I was thinking about sitting down at a festive meal over an, an upcoming holiday with people who may very much disagree with me on a range of topics and matters. So I want you to just think for a moment like forecast ahead what's coming up Thanksgiving and then Christmas and you know there there may be lots of other opportunities in the season to sit down at table and connect with others and so I want to talk about how we're going to pray in advance for those events encounters and that table fellowship um, Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force joins me next we're going to talk about praying for the military on this Veterans Day. And we're going to talk about preparing in prayer by praying for those we anticipate connecting with over the upcoming holidays. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When you're bringing up teenagers, it's all too easy to be quick on advice and long on lectures. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Man, I often get these things mixed up. I'll be lightning fast in my reprimands, especially when I'm miffed. Think about that biblical formula today. Is your first response to listen, or are you a little too eager to add your opinion to the conversation? Before you start doubting your parenting skills, take a breath. You don't need to be perfect. Just take a baby step. Choose to listen right now. By God's grace, He can make you quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Want to bring Mark to your church or community? Find out how to request an event in your area when you visit parentingtodaysteens.org. National Day of Prayer Task Force. Kathy, good morning. Good morning, friend. How are you? Good morning. It is well with my soul. How about you? Amen. 
Amen. Hey, happy Veterans Day to all our veterans out there. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. So I'm looking at the National Day of Prayer dot org website at a piece that says keep alert and praying for our military. The reference is Colossians 4.2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Mm. Yeah, we, we um, really focus the entire month of November um, on praying for our military. We pray for them always. We're grateful for them always. Um, just like, just like Thanksgiving or just like the national day of prayer. Yes, there's one particular day that we're, we're focused, but we're thankful every day. We pray every day. We are grateful for our military every single day, but we really want people to think about the service and the sacrifice, you know, that our, that our military and their military families make. And, um, you know, I was a military brat and a military wife. I never understood why they called us brats because there was certainly no spoilage in being a military (laughs) kid. No spoiling, a lot of sacrifice. My dad was gone more of my birthdays than he was home. He missed the birth of my brother. You know, just uh, we we lived paycheck to paycheck for the most part. Um, But I always knew my dad was serving God and country. And there was a Um, it sounds strange maybe for a child to be proud of their parents because my mom had to persevere much, but I'm just so grateful for every military family that serves and sacrifices to preserve freedom around the world. So there's a difference. Um, I'm aware of uh, this sensitivity. Uh, There's a difference between Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Right. Um, can you can you just remind us what's the difference and sort of how do we how do we highlight the service of those, um, you know, who mm-hmm. who are living the, the living right. veterans among us? Yes, um, Memorial Day is our time to be reminded of all who have given the ultimate price, made the ultimate sacrifice, and um, gave their life for freedom gave their life in in war and defense. And we are incredibly grateful uh, for that sacrifice. And um, in, I, I, I would challenge you to ponder, what would you lay your life down for and who would you lay your life down for today? Hmm. Um, they, they don't do it for the money, <laughs> that is for sure. Most of our military members could be making a whole lot more money Um, on the outside in the civilian world. Um, But they're willing to put that uniform on every day. And we are grateful. And that's what Memorial Day um, is all about. And Veterans Day is a chance for us to be grateful and to remember every single person who has put the uniform on at any time to go and to serve. And uh, thankful for God establishing those kind of human beings that is willing to sacrifice and give so much um, for for our country, for other countries, for the for the, again pers- persevering and preserving freedom. So here was a, a conversation. Um, I mean, we have you know a veteran in our family, and so it's a little I think easier for us because right, 
Jonathan comes to our mind when we think about mm-hmm. a veteran. We, you know, like, right, yeah. Jonathan comes to our mind. Um, we have, you know, he's he's pictured in his beautiful uh, Marine Corps dress uniform, you know, in all of his mm-hmm. wedding pictures. I mean, like, right. I mean, we we see right. him in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But I think that for many people in many communities, um, veterans kind of disappear um, mm. and they're unknown. Right. Yes. They once they're no longer in the service, like it's not like they're wearing uniforms out there in public. So the only ones that we kind of recognize are the ones that are still in uniform. And that's not that, you know, that's certainly not the full scope of it. We're talking about 19 right. million veterans. Um, right, and so right. you're probably going to see one today. Um, how do we, you know, how, how do we, I don't know, how do we recognize them in, in appropriate ways and, um, and, and say thanks? I, I feel like you've been reading my mind. So um, tonight, <laughs> you know, we send uh, an article out. If you go to nationaldayofprayer.org, um, you can subscribe to our weekly prayer prompts. Um, and tonight, uh, the article coming out, I wrote about the invisible soldier. Mm. Um, when my dad and my husband were in the military, they were not allowed to wear their uniform anywhere off base. Um, and so there were no strangers saying, thank you for your service. My, my dad wore his flight suit to the base and home from the base. And if my mom needed something or an errand needed running, or I had a school something and he happened to be in town, he had to go home and change clothes before he went. They weren't allowed to wear them to the stores or the mall or any, anything. So there was no stranger walking by, like I see at airports and so many wonderful places where strangers are saying to strangers, thank you for your service. But I would um, encourage you. I, we do see a lot of veterans wearing their military hats. Their, you know, World War II or Korean War or Vietnam War baseball caps. Mm-hmm. Um, we see them wearing jackets that have patches or pins. Um, in in any way that they are showing that they serve this country, I would just ask you to be alert for those who have been on alert. Um, my my dad would let us know I'm on alert. And that would mean, hey, probably when you wake up in the morning or sometime this week, I'm going to disappear for mm. days, for weeks, for months. And mm. so now we can be alert to those who have been on alert and simply saying thank you. And the other thing is take some time to listen to their stories. They have incredible stories. Ask them questions. Where did you serve? Um Tell me more about that. Tell me about the guys that you served with and let them tell their glory story of how God used them um, in the military. That is such a great gift for everyone to just be able to listen. Yeah. When did you serve? Where did you serve? Tell me about the guys you served with, I think are all um, easy, um, easy questions to ask. And they don't they don't dig too, um, too far. Um, right. And they allow the 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 veteran to um, determine, you know, how far they're going to go in terms of sharing. Um, so I think that's really super helpful. All right. Um, a couple of questions for you as you're listening. Does your church have an honor roll? Um, that's a mm. good question to ask. And if so, where is it? Um, so most churches have honor rolls. They have the names of people from that congregation 
who served during particular wars. Um, where is it? Do you even know in your church where it is? Um, there you go. That's a, that, that might be a, um, uh, a good uh, activity for you. Is there a veterans memorial in your town or in your city? Um, if so, that'd be a good place to visit today. How about a veterans cemetery near where you live? Those are beautiful places to walk um, and remember and enjoy. Um, how about a VA hospital? How about a VA hospital? Um, maybe drop in and say thank you and ask if you can ask how you can pray for them. Ask what they need. Don't assume anything. And if you're saying to yourself, yeah, none of those things are near where I live, I can almost guarantee there's a local VFW hall yes. <laughs> near you somewhere. So there you go. There are some thoughts and ideas uh, for each of us and all of us on this Veterans Day. Kathy Brendel and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to pivot our conversation and talk about the people we anticipate sitting down at table with this coming Thanksgiving and or during the Christmas season at some point. Um, Kathy and I are going to talk about how we can pray in advance for those that we are going to be connected by God um, to over the holidays. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continuing our conversation with Kathy Branzell, you can find her at nationaldayofprayer.org. Kathy, um, we are going to be sitting down at Table Fellowship with people who we haven't sat down with um, in, in all likelihood for some time. We don't really know um, what everybody is showing up with in terms of their agendas or their talking points. Uh, I think we need to pray for ourselves and plan in advance. So can we just talk a little bit about how you pray in advance for social and even family events that you're attending? Mm, That's great. Yes. Prepare in prayer. So several things come to mind when um, I think about this. And and one is just a life. um, The the way we think about life and leadership and and, uh, our decision-making, all these things. And and that is, what do you hope to accomplish? Mm. So at the end, at the end of life, let's go all the way there in your, in your legacy in your goals, what is it that you hope to accomplish and then work your way backwards from that. And I don't think that any of us in our last breaths want to be able to say, man, I just drove that opinion home. I just let them know exactly how I felt. And I was not budging from that opinion. I made them feel shamed, you know, about what they were saying or thinking that that's, that's not a life goal for us. And so really think back because scripture says that God even knows the intentions. He knows our thoughts and then he takes it to the heart. What's the intention and start praying first for yourself over what your intentions are for the holidays and being with people you haven't been with in a long time. And it may be that you need to have a pre-conversation and just agree that you're not going to talk about some things, that you want this to be a blessed time, a joyful time, that people are more important than opinions and preferences, and that you um, are just agreeing to disagree and that those conversations will not come through the front door and certainly not sit down at the table. That's one thing. Secondly, We're tired of being mad and divided. 
Um, and so turn the conversation to joy, keep things positive. If you see things going down, um, you know, an avenue of people, we just tend to walk in and start complaining and grumbling with everything that's wrong in the world. And so prepare in prayer and ask for a fruitful, uh, Holy Spirit fruitful holiday that you walk in and bring into the atmosphere, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, gentleness, self-control, all of those things that, you know, stop and filter everything that's going to come out of your mouth through fruit. And okay, I um, love that. So yeah. um, I have some like um, hostess ideas. Yes. So if you're listening right now and you're going to be the hostess um, for one of these holiday gatherings, and if you're actually saying to yourself, oh, actually part of my Oh, part of my trepidation in relationship to the holidays is that um, I don't yet know who's hosting, you know, such and such event. Okay, then go ahead and volunteer. Like, right? Mm -hmm. If you trust me when I tell you, if you host the event and you set the table and you can put out the place cards um, and you can set the the kind of the agenda for the day, um, trust me when I tell you it will go better for you. Um, So here are a few things that we have done over the course of time in our family, various ages and stages and environments. Um, particularly in a year like this one where there will at our family table be a new empty chair, we actually set the empty place. Mm-hmm. So Uncle Joe will have an, you know, an empty chair at our, um, at our Thanksgiving and or Christmas table. Wow. Um, because attending to the reality that we're grieving, it helps get the emotive part of the day out on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and we miss him, and yes. it's, that's okay, and we can talk about him, and we can celebrate him, and we can laugh, and we can bring stories forward from the past. Um, and it gives us, in much the same way that I think, you know, uh, um, the Jewish families probably talk about Elijah and really wish that he was there, right, um, at that, yes. in that empty chair. So I just think that that's an idea um, for you in your family if you've lost someone this year. Um, Here are some of my prayer prompts that I have written in my journal. Um, It's also the place where I like write down what I'm planning to serve that day. It's where I sort of map out who's going to sit where and why. So here's um, here's some of that for you. Um, I do ask, I do the same thing, prepare in prayer. I ask the Lord to grant us table fellowship. I ask that Christ would be made known in the breaking of the bread. Um, I ask that I would be present at my own table as a person of peace. Now, part of that, part of that, Kathy, is because I get very, very obsessively caught up in everything being just perfect and happening Mm -hmm. perfectly on time and in the right order and that it all look beautiful and it's very high priority to me. And I, I can be a crazy maker. Um, <clears throat> in the hours leading up to a family event in my own home. And that's not good. So right. I, have to, I have to pray about not only being a person of peace, but being present. Like be present in the moment. Don't miss, don't miss the joy, you know, because the jello didn't set, right? Okay. Right. Yep. Um, and then I strategically map out who's going to sit where. I use place cards. I pray over it in advance and although if any of my family's listening, they're not going to know <clears throat> my strategy. Um, 
It is really helpful if you plan to sit directly across the table from the most contentious person who's going to be present. Because mm-hmm. that means you become, because you're directly across the table from them, you become the person who is most able to um, receive and respond um, because yes. of where you're sitting. So anyway, yes. there you go. Um, and then um, I always, I'm an activity planner. I make sure that there's something to do. Um, and so, you know, little kids have a have a placemat they can color. Um, but we also sometimes tie a word um, on a little piece of paper to a utensil at every one spot. Um, or we've done a we've done the fruit salad thing where instead of actually having a fruit salad on the table, there's a bowl on the table that has slips of paper and those slips of paper have written on them the names of the fruits of the spirit. And you pass the fruit salad around and you just draw one out and everybody just reflects on that one word gives you something to do. And trust me, if the conversation centers around love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control, it's not going to be on the hot topics of the day. Right. Yes. And overflowing with gratitude. And so um, what if you had a giant bowl of M&Ms or bag of M&Ms and every time, and you go around the table and every time somebody says something they're grateful for, they get an M&M and, and, and put big bowls at each. I mean, really mm. go into this. Think about how much money we spend at Halloween, you know, for trick or treat or, or harvest festivals. Yeah. And go and get a whole bunch of bags of M&Ms and just make it a contest of what are you grateful for? Because so many people are saying things like, oh, I'm so glad 2020 is over. Oh, I'll be so glad when 2021 is over. But there have been blessings, blessings woven into it every day. Um, of these years. And so we have so much, God is great and God is good. So let us thank him for, and, and not just our food, but what all are we grateful for and hand out M&Ms every time somebody says something they're grateful for and see whose bowl is overflowing um, when it comes to dessert. (laughs) That is awesome. That is awesome. All right, Kathy, we got to leave it right there. As always, thank you so very much for joining us today. That's Kathy Branzell. You can find her at nationaldayofprayer.org. We'll be right back. All right, let me know your ideas for holiday prayerful preparation. You can text me at 877-933-2484. We got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. One of your faves, Peter Kapsner, is on deck. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.